Hello, my name is Julia Sizer. Welcome to Self-Care for Teachers, a weekly motivation, refresher, and reminder of why we became teachers in the first place and how valuable we are in order to be our best for our students, our families, and ourselves. In this week's episode, we will discuss conflict, how it arises, who it arises with in our work as teachers, and ways to recognize and resolve it. I almost named the title of this episode, Good Vibes, Taking Steps to Resolve and Avoid Conflict, but I didn't because you can't avoid conflict. People are everywhere. And unless you live in complete isolation, you will encounter conflict with others from time to time. This is definitely the case in our work as teachers. Every day, we are surrounded by people of all ages and backgrounds, from students to our peers, administration, and parents. Even our own families And as such, even though we plan for routine and consistency in our days, we are met with challenges and the wants, desires, and expectations of all of these people. So, with that, conflict is inevitable. So, the question is, how do we handle conflict in a healthy and productive way in order to prevent diminishing our efficacy as teachers. First off, here are four common signs that conflict may be brewing. Number one, the person you are conversing with is in a bad mood. That has nothing to do with you, necessarily. Number two, we take offense toward that person because we may automatically believe We are the source of the bad mood. Number three, there is a situation you have to deal with that you believe is going to create an adverse reaction in that person in which the other person may be involved. This may or may not be the case. And number four, lack of communication. Unspoken thoughts feelings, plans of action, or ideas can cause both parties to assume what the other wants, and this can become particularly difficult to fix. All four of these signs are the perfect ingredients for the development of conflict. So, what to do? Here are four ways to handle conflict that are in line with our four common signs of conflict. Number one, if the person you are conversing with is in a bad mood, you can try a couple of things. If their mood is particularly vile, in this case, you should avoid them. There is no sense in hanging around and allowing their mood to spoil your day. But in our work as teachers, this may not always be possible. For instance, we may encounter daily a student in a bad mood. In this case, it is wise to try to take time and ask them why they're feeling this way and then 
take some time to listen. Sometimes, if we allow someone to voice their feelings, it helps to resolve negative emotions before they erupt into something worse. We all know how having someone to talk to makes us feel cared for. Number two, don't take offense. Just because someone may be in a bad way doesn't mean it has anything to do with you. And even if it does, resist the temptation to make excuses and become combative. Either way, remain calm and professional. And don't spill your emotions to others. That would not be part of the solution to the problem. Number three. Handling situations that arise that you believe will cause an adverse reaction in the other person or people involved. This one happens quite a bit as a teacher. You may have a student who is doing poorly academically or there may be a behavior issue that needs to be addressed. Both scenarios require the involvement of the parents and or guardians, and in some cases, administration. I can speak for myself in saying that more times than not, the news that their child is doing poorly or behaving badly is not always well-received. If it is not well-received by the other party, we have a big job in our hands as teachers to deal with their reaction professionally. However, If we ourselves presuppose that they will handle bad news badly, that may cause us to sugarcoat the issue, which may in turn do damage. Because what is happening in this instance is a barrier to the truth, uh, which is being built out of fear and our own protective stance, which will not resolve the issue. What needs to be done is to prepare beforehand, clarify the issue, create a positive environment, and choose your words truthfully, wisely, and with grace and tact. By doing so, even if the news is still not well received, you can rest in the knowledge that you have done your part and can ensure that you will continue to do so. Number four, communicate. Lack of communication is probably one of the chief causes of conflict. We need to ensure that if we have a question, ask. There are no stupid questions. Remember the age-old saying from Confucius, The man who asks a question is a fool for a minute. The man who does not ask is a fool for life. If we don't ask, we will be uninformed of what may be the correct course of action, which, if not taken, can lead to conflict and worse. Communicating our plans, ideas, thoughts, and feelings in a constructive way to the right people at the appropriate time can create a fruitful exchange free of conflict. And even if both parties have opposing ideas, your preparedness and communication 
breeds confidence, not arrogance. And the confidence can squelch the embers of conflict. I mentioned at the beginning of speaking about conflict that it is unavoidable. As a matter of fact, conflict avoidance will produce what you are trying to avoid, which is conflict. (laughs) Whether we are at home or in the classroom, conflicts arise. That is a fact of life. It is in those times that we benefit from taking a deep breath and reminding ourselves that we are adults and we are professionals as well as critical thinkers. Life can catch us off guard and the day-to-day events of life can become jumbled together, resulting in a grouchy mood and cluttered thinking. But our thinking can line up with who we want to be if we take the time to acknowledge our strengths in what we do for people each day, which is help, serve, and educate. That is our focus. Let's use conflict as a tool for growth and watch the change for the better in ourselves, our families, and our students. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I would appreciate it if you would leave a review or comment. It truly means so much to me and helps my listenership. I've said before that I'm not an expert. I am a teacher who loves what I do. And I love the idea of community and sharing ideas. Hearing from other teachers about their struggles helps all of us share, communicate, and grow. Any ideas will be gladly shared in future podcasts. You may follow me on Instagram at selfcareforteachers underscore Julia, where you will find a link to our Facebook group, as well as my email for a written transcript of this podcast, as well as a speaking engagement request. Until next time, this is Self-Care for Teachers. We are amazing. We are peaceful teachers.